1: Thank you for your presence today. The topic of today's message says it all. Blessedness, in ways we cannot think or imagine, truly comes from giving God's way. We say we believe the Word of God and that we have faith in it. In obedience to it, we must adhere to God's commands, even in the giving of tithes and offerings. By faith, we must believe that we will reap blessings designed specifically for us in God's perfect time. Have your Bible pen and paper handy as you will want to take notes As Pastor Rander gives us spiritually sound insights. Uh,
2: Haggai chapter 1,
1: verses 3 through 7. There you'll find these words.
2: Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panel houses and this temple lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat and do not have enough. You drink but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And we want to preach the final message of this series entitled acceptable and unacceptable giving to the Lord. Acceptable and unacceptable giving to the Lord. In this particular passage, the prophet rebukes Judah for her spiritual negligence and misplaced priorities. They had built their own beautiful panel houses while neglecting to rebuild the temple of God, which lay in ruins, resulting in divine chastening from Almighty God. The prophet Haggai tells Judah to consider her ways, which meant that it was time for Judah to do some serious self-examination before the Lord because of her spiritual negligence. And beloved, there are only two ways that you can give financially to the Lord, which is acceptable and unacceptable giving. If you're not giving to God at all, you may not have a relationship with him, or you may not be giving because of a lack of spiritual maturity. God will not receive what you have given him unless you first acknowledge that he owns it all. Even though God has entrusted us to manage his resources, we have a tendency to think we have ownership instead of stewardship. A steward is one who has been entrusted to manage that which belongs to God. Uh, We are managing God's possessions. Everything we have belongs to God. He has loaned it to us only for a season, And then we have to ultimately release it back to him. We must give an account one day of how we managed his possessions. So a steward is one who has been entrusted to manage that which belongs to God. If we fail to keep the right spiritual perspective, especially when it comes to our finances, we will usurp the authority of God who is the owner and not seek him nor trust him or allow him to govern our financial decisions. This will result in mismanagement, financial worries, and troubles if we don't allow God to manage the resources he has given us. If you desire to set your fiscal affairs in order, it is crucial to place your finances under God's divine management. What is unacceptable giving? What is unacceptable giving? Number one, Unacceptable giving is to give God that which cost us nothing when we are recipients of wonderful, indescribable blessings from him. Unacceptable giving is to give God that which cost us nothing when we are recipients of wonderful, indescribable blessings from him. Do you not know it is an insult to God to depend on him for our life? depend on him for health. We need the Lord for protection. We need him for provision. We need him for healing. We need him for deliverance. And yet not give to the Lord sacrificially is a sin against almighty God. You say, where is that in the scripture? In second Samuel chapter 24, verse 24b, it says, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, with that which cost me nothing. In other words, when we give God give to God meagerly, when we give God little to nothing, it grieves the heart of God, particularly when he has been so good to us. He's given us life, health, protection, provision, healing, deliverance, and we're trusting God for the very breath of life. And therefore, we ought to respond by giving to him sacrificially because of his goodness toward us. Number two, unacceptable giving is to be deceived into thinking that you can worship God while robbing him at the same time. There's no such thing as genuinely worshiping God while robbing him at the same time. Beloved, robbing God is to give him little to nothing, which does not bring reverence or honor to him who is our king. Jesus is our king. He is our savior. He is our Lord. And robbing God is a serious offense with devastating consequences. You see, my friends, tithing is a tremendous blessing for those who trust and obey him. Malachi 3, chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And underline this, try me now in this. In other words, Malachi is saying to the people, put me to the test. God is saying, if you don't believe I'm a God who who will do what I say I will do, why don't you try me? Put me to the test, tithe, and watch me do extraordinary supernatural things in your life, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. Not crack the window, but what? Open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough for you to receive the blessings that he has for you into your life your your life cannot handle the blessings of god when you treat him the way he should be treated. Thirdly, it is impossible to give to the lord, the poor, the widows, the orphans and even strangers acceptably when your heart has become hardened. It is impossible to give to the lord, it is impossible to give to the poor, the widows, the orphans the strangers acceptably when your heart has become hardened. There are so many who have resisted the Holy Spirit's prompting to give because of a hardened heart. Deuteronomy chapter 15 verses 7 and 8 says, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in the land which the Lord your God has given you, You shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever his need. And the worst thing we can do is be cold hearted to the poor, to the orphans, and to the strangers. I know we have a lot of panhandlers on the streets and there are many, many corners. And, um, and I know we can't help everybody all the time, but we ought to help somebody sometime. Amen. You say, Oh, they might drink it up. They may go buy crack and all that. You follow the Holy spirit conviction. And, and sometimes God tests you just to see if you are willing to give it up. As a matter of fact, sometimes we've entertained angels unaware. You don't know who you are ministering to or who you are passing up. And you stand before God. He said, you remember when I was on the corner at that day on this day in time? That was me. That was me. And you passed me up again and again. And so we have to be we use discretion. But if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, he will move your heart to go into your pocketbook, and uh, and that's why I know we we're get we're getting closer and closer to a cashless society. I really do know that. But you ought to keep some dollars, some fives, some tens in your in your in your pocketbook because you can't give a stranger a credit card. Amen. And so it's good when you can have something to be a blessing. You don't know how you're going to be a blessing. Just say it this way. Repeat after me. We are blessed. To be a blessing. Yes. Say it again. We are blessed yes. to be a blessing. Yes. And that's those who are poor, the homeless, the down and outers, those who are sitting out there saying, I work for food. And sometimes um, we can find ourselves becoming a little hardened because we see so many. As I said, you can't help all the people all the time. But you ought to fall under the Holy Spirit's conviction sometime to do as
1: prompted by the Holy Spirit. Even as Christians and with every intent to live our life according to God's word, many of us struggle with obeying God's commands regarding the finances he blesses us with. As Pastor Rander continues this message, as led by the Holy Spirit, he provides food for our souls as to why some of us struggle with tithing, as well as the ultimate consequences. God wants us to prosper, not suffer. However, in order to prosper, we must obey God's word, even in this. Number four, uh, unacceptable
2: giving. A lack of faith will keep you from giving acceptably to the Lord. A lack of faith will keep you from giving acceptably to the Lord. Luke 17, 5 says, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase my faith. You know, one of the greatest prayers we can pray is Lord, increase my faith. Jesus, as he ministered to the disciples many times when they fell or when they uh, couldn't rise up and do what God had called them to do, the Lord, uh, he said, oh, ye of little faith. When they were fretful or fearful of this and that, he said, oh, ye of little faith. And you know what? If you're going to do great things for God, if you want God to take you to the next level in your Christian life, you need to ask God to increase your faith. Luke 17:5 says, and the apostle said to the Lord, increase my faith. Why? Because a lack of faith will cause one to, to believe they will not have enough to live on if they tithe. Oh, if I tithe, I'm going to run short. I'm not going to have enough. And that's because of a deficiency of faith. Beloved, you can't afford not to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. If you fail to trust God by walking by sight instead of by faith, you will never give to God that which belongs to him. If you fail to trust God by walking by sight Instead of by faith, you will never give to God that which belongs to him. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by what? Sight. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 11, 6, 8 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. Without faith. You come to Christ by what? By faith. We come to Christ by what? Faith. We live by what? Faith. And we die what? In the faith. It is a faith walk. It, Abraham believed God and it was, a, it was accounted to him for righteousness. By faith. Nor built an ark having not seen rain. By faith. Without faith it is impossible to, to please God. That's why we need to ask the Lord to increase our faith. And number five. A small mindset will keep you from giving acceptably to God. A small mindset will keep you from giving acceptably to God. We give according to our perspective of him. You cannot make God any bigger than he already is. He's as big as he's, he's going to be. He's a great, awesome, majestic, almighty God. However, your view of God should be big. If your view of God is big, then you will give big. If your view of God is small, then you will give small. Our giving reflects our view of our God. Our giving reflects our view of our God. Our focus should be on Christ. If you have a small mindset, you will give sparingly, which means you will reap very little in this life. We get out what we put in. Many saints sow very little and yet expect to reap so much more, yet having sown so little. You will not prosper, you will not be productive, or reach your kingdom potential with this kind of mindset. The bottom line is, if you do not have a heart to give, you will find any excuse not to. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a what kind of giver? A, for God loveth a what kind of giver? A cheerful giver, a hilarious giver, an enthusiastic giver. God is not only concerned about what we give, but how we give, our attitude in which we give. Beloved, you must deny your selfish desires and choose to give God's way rather than your own way. When you do, you will discover the blessings of God and that life is more enjoyable when you are living according to God's will for your life. Number six, possessing a spirit of entitlement will keep you from giving God your best financially. Possessing a spirit of entitlement will keep you from giving your best to God financially. Uh, Luke 15, 12 says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now the prodigal son's father was Was not even dead and yet he asked for what he thought he was entitled to have. You do not hear one word of gratitude from this prodigal son. You do not hear, you do not hear one word of thankfulness. You don't see a great attitude in this man. He only wanted what he thought he was entitled to have and ended up losing it all. Let me tell you something about the spirit of entitlement. It is so detrimental to the Christian faith. A spirit of entitlement usually causes one, particularly a Christian, to end up spiritually dry, spiritually stale, and spiritually discontent and bankrupt because of not honoring God with the finances he has provided. Those with an entitlement mentality will not possess joy and fulfillment until they first surrender themselves to God and put him first. It is not what the Lord's church can do for you, but rather what you can do for the Lord's church that will glorify God and bring value to others. People look for churches is all about what can the church do for me? Is the nursery right? Is the parking right? Is the seat comfortable? Do they have the right colors? Do they have enough parking on and on? But it's not what the church can do for you. It's what you can do for the church. And some people have an entitlement attitude even because they give their tithes. They feel like everybody owe them. I'm a tithe-paying member. That is sick in the nostrils of God you have what you have by the grace of God and just because you tithe don't mean anybody owe you anything and you'll not have a sense of importance because you tithe. You're not to be lifted up been pride because you tithe. Thank God you give it quietly, give it prayerfully, give it worshipfully worshipfully, and then release it to God. You know in the Old Testament when they offered up bullocks and doves and goats and all of that, they burned it up. That means you can't even have a business meeting, business meeting on it. You couldn't talk about it. You couldn't report on it. It went up to God. Now, a lot of folk who give don't like hearing that, but that's the gospel truth. It went to God. And when you when you got to check on it and analyze it and follow it and do all that kind of stuff, the truth be told, you really haven't released it to God. You haven't released it to God because of an entitlement mentality. You need to ask yourself a question. If everybody thought just like me in what financial condition would this church be Hmm? if everybody thought just like you right now some of you mean in your mind (laughs) you even thinking good sometimes truth upset folks sometimes folk folk choke on truth and if everybody thinking like you're thinking now in your mind what kind of church would this be Let me ask you another question. If everyone gave financially just like me, what financial condition would this church be? Number seven, many saints cannot give in a way that is acceptable and pleasing to God because they are in financial debt. Many saints cannot give in a way that is acceptable and pleasing to God because... They are in financial debt. Romans 13, 8a says, Owe nothing to anyone except for an obligation to love one another. You see, my friends, debt creates plenty of room for Satan to play in your mind. Debt gives Satan an operating room in your life, in your financial house. You open up, ooh, he loves it when you get in debt. God's people usually struggle with giving to him when they are in financial debt. Debt destroys marriages, it destroys relationships, it is binding, it's entangling. It will actually choke the life out of your family. You see, and I know Christmas is coming and Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Yeah, y'all help me. Y'all know all these days, you, got, you know I'm better than me. I know it's all coming. I usually preach a financial series this time of year by design. I'm not accidentally, oh, I think. I knew way back in January, I'll be preaching this about this season. You know why? Because I know your tendencies. I'm trying to save you some trouble. You're buying in December, and you're depressed in January, and I'm trying to save you out of depression. Right. So I want you to listen to me. Don't listen to Dillard's and... and and, and y'all, Come on, call them. you know why. You, what? Macy's and... Huh? Sachs, okay. Nostrum. Ooh, Nostrum is so high. I mean, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to salvage your pocketbook. I'm trying to give you a spiritual prescription to help you be happy in January and not depressed. So some of y'all in debt. Some of you out of debt, and about to get back in debt. And that's really, that's when Satan really play games with your mind. You out, you clean, he get back in, he say, you fool. He call your names. How do I get out of debt? How do I get out of debt? That's just settle down, receive the word of God and let it bless your life. How do I get out of debt? I got enough points right here and I'm not going to be all day saying it. So you receive it and then live by it. Amen. Number one, repent and do not incur unnecessary debt. When you get in debt, too much debt, unnecessary debt, you need to repent. You need to repent. You say, what? Yeah, you need to repent so God can get you out. First John says, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we get in too much debt, we need to repent. In other words, once you confess your sin for allowing yourself to become enslaved by debt, there needs to be a change of heart which results in your not creating new debt. You see? Let me say that again. In other words, once you confess your sins for allowing yourself to become enslaved by debt, there needs to be a change of heart which results in your not creating new debt. If you do not create new debt, you will not be driven deeper into more debt. More debt. Number two, when you're in debt, tithe your way out of debt. (gasps) What? I'm in debt. that's not God's fault. Why you punishing him? God didn't get you in debt. (laughs) Look how quiet it got. (laughs) Tithe your way out of debt because you need God's wisdom and help to deliver you. You don't want to be the you don't be robbing the one you need to get you out. You cannot rob God and expect deliverance by him at the same time. Malachi three eight says, Will a man rob God yet you have robbed me? But you say in what way have we robbed you, God, in tithes and in offerings? Tithe your way out. Number three, you must hate debt. You know, some of you in debt, you, you didn't hate it. Anything you hate. If you hate spinach, you won't eat it. That's right. You, you hate exercising, you won't exercise. That's right. If you hate debt, you won't spin your way into debt. If you hate castor oil, you won't take it. But, but you, some of y'all hate debt, but you get in debt. But you know why you get in debt? Be, be, because you don't hate it. You must hate debt enough to make debt reduction your priority. My friend, if you love God more than anyone or anything else in this world and are willing to make the necessary adjustments, you will see your debt dry up. Let me say this again. If you love God more than anyone or anything else in this world and are willing to make the necessary adjustments, you will see your debt dry up. You must learn from your past sins and learn from your failures If you keep doing the same thing the same way, you will keep getting the same results, my friends. Proverbs 12.1 says, I know God wrote the Bible because you're going to joke on this scripture. Yes, it's in the Bible. Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves instructions, love knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid when you know better and don't do better because you don't want to be corrected, the Bible says you're stupid. I'm, I'm giving you the way out. I'm giving you the pre- prescription. I'm giving you the word. I, all you have to do is take the word, apply the word, and live by the word, and you, you keep doing the same thing the same old way, p- piling up debt, living beyond your means. The Bible says you're stupid. Don't get mad at me. I didn't, I didn't call you stupid. No, I didn't call you stupid. The, the Bible Solomon under, under the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit called you stupid. I'm not going to call anybody stupid. But God will. God will. Uh, number four, develop a budget. If you want to get out of debt, develop a budget so that you can give an account for income and
1: expenditures
2: and get a clear picture of your finances. Develop a budget so that you can give an account
1: The word of God is clear. We must trust God with our finances because everything we have and claim as ours belongs to him. He commands us to tithe only 10% and even though he owns it all, he blesses us to keep 90%. Give God's way and watch what happens, not only in the universal church, but also in our individual lives. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.